This is a very unique and perhaps the most dangerous time in American history. We have a duly elected president in office facing some of the most trying times in both U.S. and world history. We are coming off a year of biblical-like natural disasters, out-of-control gun violence and national debt, a blatant disregard for law and order, plus massive propaganda campaigns issued by what was once an American staple, freedom of the press. Compound this with some very nasty actors and actions on the world stage, emanating from North Korea, China, Russia, Iran, Syria, Venezuela, and several North African nations. If this was not bad enough, for the first time ever, we have witnessed nonstop attempts by very powerful Washington insiders to take down the incumbent president and his administration, all from within our own U.S. borders. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. Washington's War with the American Heartland Battle plans were drawn and constantly revised on the fly during and after the course of the 216 U.S. presidential election. The incumbent administration and the powers that move the Oz-like levers behind the curtain that looms over the Potomac River understood that in no way could they trust their fate to the American voting process. They had come too far and gained too much ground to lose it all now. The eight-year run of hope and change was now closing in on its final act with no clear successor in sight. Despite the full backing of the DNC by the Obama-led gang for the proposed sequel at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the early reviews were tanking badly. Notwithstanding constant script revisions, there was only so much good lighting, well-balanced makeup, softball interviews, and high-profile payoffs can do to camouflage really bad acting. Further complicating matters, an upstart self-avowed socialist was drawing large crowds with early rave reviews. How can this be? Hillary was bankrolling the DNC through backdoor money laundering right out of the Clinton Foundation, and yet she still began to fade precipitously in the polling by early summer. Another favor had to be called in, since the people were seeing through the obvious media and debate-controlled bribes. The godfather himself beckoned a perceived kind gesture towards old Uncle Bernie, with a private invitation just outside the Rose Garden. Although not immediate, Uncle Bernie eventually bowed out of contention several weeks later, with what one can only imagine was promised in return. Now that Hillary was back on center stage without the threat of even an understudy lurking in the wings, the machine would pull all of its resources to propel her into the West Wing as the 45th American president. During this time, the Republican Party was dwindling down to its final list of candidates, the lone exception being America was actually voting for their choice, and unlike the Democrats' primary, their ballots actually counted. Like an unexpected wave emerging off the horizon, America was gravitating toward a brash New York City businessman 
instead of career politicians. He tapped into the frustrations of everyday common folk that understood our country was having the life sucked out of it by white walkers wearing government-issued Armani suits. As cliche as this may sound, the majority of middle America knew our country was on the cusp of losing her soul. The early supporters of Mr. Trump perceived the underlying message to the Democrats' mission was, Winter is coming. America was now looking for their version of Jon Snow. The fundamental transformation that Barack Obama promised was quickly becoming deeply embedded within our framework as a society. Although this conversion was juxtaposed to his campaign marketing, he nonetheless succeeded in hoodwinking his way right through D.C. with a relentless, cutthroat approach to gain his political objectives. With the two candidates now squaring off head-to-head, America could not have two more clearly different choices to lead this country for the next four years. At first, the Democrats openly clamored for Donald Trump to be their opposition, condescendingly mocking the absurdity of any notion towards the real estate mogul's chances of ascending to the highest office in the land. After all, Mrs. Clinton was an attorney, former First Lady of Arkansas and the U.S., a New York State Senator, and most recently, the Secretary of State. She also had the full backing of the Obama machine and the DNC. Plus, all of the elite media was in her back pocket. Couple that with Wall Street, Hollywood, and a war chest filled with hundreds of millions of dollars. She even had all of the former Bernie supporters, who now somehow came down with a severe case of selective amnesia. The corrupt elimination of dear Uncle Bernie from within the Democrats' own party was mysteriously erased from their minds. The indoctrination of the former lost sheep began and they got back in their pens as quickly as they were instructed. It was as though one could hear Rod Serling in the distance begin to recite, You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land, whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Now contrast Hillary Rodham Clinton to a loudmouth businessman from Queens with no prior political experience or support structure, a knack for off-the-cuff tweets that seem to border on the absurd, and all the while simultaneously alienating the establishment powers from within his own party. This was clearly going to be one of the most lopsided slaughters in presidential history. Or so thought the snarky, so-called sophisticated, self-appointed, grandiose voting experts. While all of this was playing out every day across our televisions, computers, smartphones, and other forms of information gathering, a revolutionary movement was taking place in the American heartland. Common sense Americans understood Hillary's penchant for lying to Congress was illegal. Smashing hard drives and servers was both bizarre and unethical. Bleaching and scrubbing data records was deceiving. Refusing to deliver 30,000-plus government emails is ungrounded. 
Exchanging classified information on a private server is derelict of duty. Trading government favors for financial donations to the Clinton Foundation is a betrayal. Selling uranium to the Russians is treasonous, and covering your husband's sexual abuse by ambushing and demeaning his victims is downright despicable. This group of voters can also read and intellectually process the facts. As such, they also remember the debacles of Benghazi, the Whitewater scandal, Cheryl Mills, Huma Abedin, and Sidney Blumenthal. These very same Americans also recognized they had an untamed, unproven, untested man that was filled with his own warts from the past. Several prior bankruptcies, a few divorces, and a very, very big mouth. But unlike Hillary, he was not afraid to speak his mind about what was wrong in Washington. He spoke openly about the need to secure the southern border, our duty and obligation to replenish the military and to defeat Islamic terrorism, stand by our allies such as Israel, England, and Poland, the commitment to actually cut personal and corporate taxes, honor and protect the police and the first responders, negotiate better trade deals, call out the UN on their continuous scams, and perhaps one of the most important, but often unnoticed stances, his pledge to fight for the humanity and the rights of unborn children. A major but unforeseen weapon in Donald Trump's ascension to office was the American church. There was a tangible awakening within the evangelical and Catholic churches to get involved, learn the issues, understand the distinctions being offered, and pray for America. Just like the establishment Republicans, there were the Christian purists that attacked the Trump campaign for his past sins. They got on their soapboxes and railed against this man as though they had somehow assumed they were responsible for interviewing America's next pastor, rather than a leader that was willing to fight for their voices to be heard. Similar to America's early years and founding, Approximately 100 Christian leaders met and prayed with Donald Trump during the summer of 2016 in New York City. After several hours, they came out unified in their belief to support and pray for him moving forward. They were willing to roll up their sleeves and place their reputations on the line to help a man that was about to encounter some of the most ruthless and merciless forces on earth. There was plenty at stake here but perhaps none more important than the millions of unborn babies that were being slaughtered annually, at times in some of the most barbaric and heinous fashions imaginable. The heart of this country witnessed the Democrats' abuse of an abortion factory as a political money-laundering front named Planned Parenthood, all the while masquerading on the pretentious guide of women's health. As a nation, we are reaching the lowest stage of character known in our history. We have sunk to such despair, we are now murdering innocent children for power, money, and votes. The closer we came to Election Day, the difference in passion between supporters of the two candidates was remarkably clear. Middle America and their candidate was fighting hard for their mission, while Hillary and the Dems undertaking was just trying to run out the clock since their polling showed them with an overwhelming victory come November 8th. The rest, as they say now, is in the past, 
And everyone knows the Clinton Democrat machine got their clocks cleaned by America's favorite basket of deplorables. The final tally was Trump with 304 electoral votes to HRC's tally of 227. Exit polls revealed that 81% of evangelicals, along with 58% of Catholics, cast their ballots for Mr. Trump. This remarkable turn of events also revealed the degree of corruption and lies hidden deep within the bowels of D.C. This turns out to be exponentially larger than anyone could have possibly imagined. As I stated at the top, there was far too much at stake for Team Obama to potentially lose due to Hillary's pathetic ineptitude and negligence. The insidious Obama machine put Plan B in motion months in advance of the November election, which came in the shape of go-to-jail cards for Donald Trump or anyone that may possibly be aligned with his team. Do whatever it takes to bring down the Trump presidency and the hell with the will and the votes of the American people. Anyone with a modicum of common sense grasped the corrupt depravity of former Attorney General Eric Holder. But we now see the nefarious arm of the Justice Department stretch their tentacles so far as to reach the FBI, the CIA, and other departments of intelligence gathering. Leading right up until Inauguration Day and several days afterwards, it became blatantly obvious that Barry Sotero and his team of high-priced thugs were laying landmines for the incoming president. Think about this. The departing president was intentionally trying to bring down the incoming president of America with illegal wiretaps, serial abuse of the FISA process, conspiring with foreign agents, manipulating the press with massive propaganda campaigns, and perhaps most dangerously, weaponizing the most imposing government agencies. They targeted, monitored, and illegally unmasked political opponents, including congressmen, journalists that were not reporting favorable stories, Trump allies, and average Americans. It's increasingly apparent that these recently exposed abuses of power serve two apparent purposes. To guard Hillary Clinton's candidacy, by protecting her from prosecution arising from the use of her unauthorized private server, and to destroy and dissolve the candidacy and presidency of Donald Trump. By now, we know all the names involved. James Comey, Loretta Lynch, Andrew McCabe, Andrew Weissman, Sally Yates, Peter Strazik, Lisa Page, Bruce Orr, Susan Rice, Samantha Power, James Clapper, and John Brennan. The one name I have yet to hear is Barack Hussein Obama. Am I really supposed to believe that these political appointees and loyalists that report to Mr. Obama were somehow running a freelance game of take down the incoming president without Mr. Obama's knowledge or consent? Come on now, let's get real, shall we? I may not be the smartest man in the room. But if you're willing to place a wager that Barack Obama did not know full well what was going on concerning Donald Trump, well, being a New Yorker, I can tell you that I know of a great deal on a bridge that separates Lower Manhattan from the borough of Brooklyn. Are you interested? No matter your politics, if you cannot be honest enough to recognize with grave concern what would have never been revealed had Donald Trump not been elected the 45th president of the United States. Think about it. 
we would never, ever have understood any of this if Hillary Clinton was in office today. Turns out the American heartland won this latest battle for this nation's survival, including the great citizens of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Ohio. Now all we need is some rigorous exchange of frank and truthful conversations in California, Chicago, and the industrial Northeast. As always, just my opinion. My name is Mark Russick, and thank you for joining the Russick Outlook. Thank <laughs> you.